Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 191. I'm like a tree. I give a certain kind of fruit, and if you don't like that fruit, F off. Guillermo del Toro. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by taylorsound.com. One of the most complicated problems I've had in my professional career is sound, and sound mixing, sound design is generally always very expensive. But Taylor Sound has come onto the scene and has done something pretty incredible. Like so many other things you have in the world today, now you can get your sound design online. They're offering flat promotional rates for commercials, music videos, short films, and any other video content that's short form. They're very affordable, and because you are an Indie Film Hustle Tribe member, will get 15% off your order. Just type in the word hustle in the post your brief section. That's T-A-I-L-O-R sound.com. So today we got a really special episode, guys. This is a Halloween episode of the Indie Film Hustle podcast, and I have Eduardo Sanchez, who is one of the co-directors of now legendary independent film, The Blair Witch Project. And for those who are listening who did not or were not around or weren't of age yet when The Blair Witch hit uh, back in 99, it was a phenomenon. It was something that took Hollywood by storm. And it was two young independent filmmakers from Central Florida with no connections in the business, with no stars attached. And in a new way, this new thing called found footage, which we now look at as a as a, just another subgenre of horror but it was kind of revolutionary when eduardo uh did it back with blair witch it had never been done before and he was able to create a movie uh for i think around twenty seven thousand dollars, which was basically family friends and credit cards and if you guys haven't seen it it's definitely worth watching now even because it still scares the hell out of people uh believe it or not and i, I can't express to you what kind of craziness the blair witch project was when it got released. I mean, they were on the cover of Time magazine, two independent filmmakers with no other movie, their first film out the gate. They were on the cover of Time. They really took over Hollywood. And the movie was at the time the most successful independent movie of all time, grossing two or three hundred million dollars back in 1999 off of a budget of 27 grand. 
it was really incredible what Eduardo and his and his partner did back then. And I, I've been wanting to get Eduardo on the show for a long time because I wanted to really dig into like what is that experience like? I mean, you're you're a fish in a, in a fish bowl, and the whole world is looking at you. And you were and he was so young, and you know he was thrown around Hollywood. He he made he, he met everybody. Everybody wanted to meet him. Everybody wanted to work with him. It's just an incredible story, and and then how his career has progressed over the years since that time. And I also wanted to talk to him about the marketing of that film, which is arguably one of the best marketed independent films of all time. What they were able to do with the fake documentary, people didn't know if the Blair Witch was a real story, a fake story. It, it, it just caught everybody in the world's attention because of the way they marketed the film, the way they thought about marketing. It is a film and a marketing campaign that I've studied many times over the course of my career, and I'm super excited to bring you guys my conversation with Eduardo Sanchez. I'd like to welcome to the show Eduardo Sanchez. Thanks so much for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's an absolute thrill to speak to another Cubano director doing stuff That's in the business, right. man. <laughs> That's right. There aren't too many of us. We're, we're like unicorns. <laughs> when I when I was just talking to you about Joe Menendez, who was on the show uh, a while ago, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, so you're the other Cuban director? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm that other one. I'm the, I'm the taller one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, so I wanted to get get started, man. What made you want to start making movies in the first place? Um, you know, I mean, it, it really, uh, you know, I, I've always had an interest in films. Like my dad, you know, he was, we were, we were, I was born in Cuba too, but when we came here to this country, he uh, never learned English. So, and he loved going to the movies. So he would take me to these movies um, and he was, sometimes he would, you know, I would help translate. Mm-hmm. Um, but just his kind of, you know, love for the movies and the also and just the excitement of going with him and all that stuff. And then um, we would watch movies, uh, you know, uh, he used to love James Bond movies, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, just watching those some of the best childhood memories I have. Um, so and, and, and I guess his my dad's enthusiasm really, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, made me aware of it, at least. And then. I guess when Star Wars came out, I was like eight, <laughs> eight, eight years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, you know, it was like this all encompassing kind of thing that, you know, uh, not only was it a great movie and, you know, it was, you know, the toys and all the, you know, stuff about space and, you know, got, it just blew my mind and it kind of opened up, you know, the idea of like, wow, these people actually make movies. And it got me really interested in, at least in, how they made movies, especially special effects. You know, I like, you know, read every article I could find about special effects and, mm-hmm. you know, just behind the scenes stuff. I love to see behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, there was definitely, you know, this, you know, huge interest from me as far as like just trying to figure out how they made films and, and not really, I mean, you know, I grew up in, in, you know, a suburb of DC in Tacoma park, which is, you know, about the furthest place away from the film business. Um, you know, and so I, I, to me, it wasn't really this kind of, you know, I was too young to realize that it could have been, that it could be a career, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but so to, but for me, it was just based, it was just like this hobby, like this thing that I was really interested in. And then later on, you know, 
in high school that I kind of make the idea, the change of like, well, hey, well, you know, I can actually, you know, make a living, you know, doing some of this stuff, you know. So, um, but yeah, man, it was a, it was at a pretty young age that I kind of, you know, definitely connected with cinema. In in ninety in the nineties, uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, for a lot of people listening, they don't understand. Like in the nineties, there was no. It wasn't cool to be the director yet, like the 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 rock and roll the rock and roll star director, kind of like the Tarantinos and the Robert Rodriguez's of the world, had just started coming up. But there was still not yeah. a lot of information about no. being filmmaking. Oh, yeah. No, no, there was, was nothing. really nothing. There was nothing. I mean, and and also, you know, back in those days, you know, uh, you know, to make a movie, there was no oh. video. You know, <laughs> no. I mean, video, video was just for news and for TV and for soap operas. You know, so right. no, no respectable filmmaker would have made film on films on video. So that meant that you had to at least go to sixteen millimeter, right? Which was expensive uh, as all. Hell. Which was super expensive. <laughs> you know, so it really was. There really was this like kind of gatekeeper, financial gatekeeper, mm-hmm. uh, keeping people from making you know the, these these films. I mean, it didn't it didn't stop me. I made a movie, a, a feature when I was like nineteen years old on VHS. Nice. What was the name of it? <laughs> it was called Video All. Okay. Um, and it was just like a, uh, you know, just kind of like a like a PG thirteen, you know, guys get into. To, to kind of trouble that they can't handle these kind of college age guys get into trouble that they can't handle. And, right, right. Uh, um, you know, but, and, you know, it was kind of funny and it had some cool action sequences. I put all my friends in, I put my mom in it. But you shot it on VHS, man. That, we like shot that, it on, v- that we shot balls. It on VHS, man. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was an exercise. It was right. like, you know, can we shoot a feature? You know, can we do a feature? And uh, so, you know, and you know, it's a fun film. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but uh, you know, it was it was, for, it was and you know, and you know how it is, man. It's like it's a huge learning experience. Oh God! Just to, just to get through it, you know, just to to be able to to you know, and then you realize how much work a feature is. I mean, it, it it's, it's a beast. amazing amount of work, um, and you know, so so you know, luckily it didn't scare me away. Uh, from from filmmaking, but yeah, man, it's definitely you know the the, uh, the the you're right. You know, there wasn't anything. I mean, like uh, Spike Lee. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. She's got to have it. Lee, she, yeah, she she's got to have it. And then Robert came after that, and then Reservoir. You know, Steve, and, yeah, yeah, Steven Soderbergh, and then Slacker. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Smith. Uh, but yeah, that was yeah. the whole that was that whole generation of like the when indie film became like indie film. There was really yes. not a lot of indie film. No, I get the no. farthest back I can go is Hollywood Shuffle. With yes, he, yes, he made yes. it all well, with that, his credit cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there was yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was yeah. always and independent you know, film, but like you know, the independent film as we know it today. Yeah, yeah. No, there wasn't anything where like people were like going out and like mortgaging their homes to make films. That, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, how, and, how and, foolish. Uh, and, and Sundance hat wasn't Sundance yet, you know. No, it wasn't uh, the festival. Sex Lies yeah. and Videotape was what put it on the map. I think. Yeah, that was the first yeah. year I heard about it. Was with eighty nine. Yeah, that's the first. Yeah, that's the first time. And then soon thereafter, Clerks and well, she's got to have it. I guess went through it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, it was. Um, you know, yeah, and, and and so so yeah. I mean, me as a kid, I didn't have. You know, I mean, I knew Spielberg and George Lucas, but to me, those guys were gods. You know, there was Scorsese. nobody like, oh, yeah, yeah, Scorsese. Well, as a young age, I, 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 you know, as a little kid, you know, Spielberg and Lucas were like the ones that I, you know, that I recognized. You know what I mean? Those were those were the big guys. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, later on, you know, uh, 
you know, Scorsese and, you know, you get into all, and then, you know, uh, I got into Spike Lee, like mm-hmm. in a major way. Oh God. Uh, do the right thing. Oh, do the, yeah. Oh. Do the right thing. It's just, it's know. a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. You know, I was talking to somebody else about it on a, um, the other day about it. Like just, you know, I haven't seen it in a long time and I've, I've been kind of saving it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to check it out again soon. But yeah, it's just one of those movies that you, you know, you, uh, it just it, like changed the way I, you know, for, 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 I was like, I guess, you know, I don't 19 or 20 or mm-hmm. something when I saw it, when it came out. So just for somebody who had been, um, you know, raised on, you know, the eighties, you know, Spielberg and George Lucas and, you know, Joe Dante and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Spielberg kind of, you know, wave that, that, uh, Zemeckis, that hit, right. Yeah, Zemeckis and really, really great films. But, um, you know, you know, and also as a teenager, you're, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, watch a movie that has any kind of social commentary or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. or, 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 you know, blatant social commentary. Then, so I went to see Do the Right Thing, and I came out, and I was just like, you know, I was kind of angry and just confused, and I kept thinking about the movie, and this, and I was actually kind of angry at like Spike Lee, and you know, this, and I was and it really challenged everything that that that. Uh, you know, that I had bit, that I had, that had gone into my film education up, sure. up until then. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, then I embraced it and I just fell in love with it, man. And I just, you know, um, you know, and I really aspired to be kind of a Spike Lee, you know, uh, kind of filmmaker. But we, uh, we, we all do, man. We all want to be, yeah, we all want to be Spielberg. Exactly. We all want to be. Uh, yeah. You all go, you go through these little phases where you're like, I want to be this. I want to be that person, you know, whatever. Right. But you hopefully slowly, you know, find your own voice, you know? Now you, you went to uh, UCF, which was literally down the street from my college. And I think we were probably, were you in Orlando in the early, like in the mid nineties? I was, I was in Orlando, like early nineties. And then, um, uh, like I, I moved back to Orlando in uh, early 98. Okay. So we, we just missed each other. I graduated yeah. in 96 from Full Sail. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. We just missed each other, man. You left right before I came back. Yeah, it was a, Orlando was an interesting time around that, that around those years, uh, because it was going to be the next Hollywood, if you remember correctly, yeah. with Universal, yeah. and everybody was like, "You got to stay, man. Don't go down to Miami. Hollywood's yeah. over, man. Orlando's where it's at." Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, man. I, I fell for that too, man. Like, I, like, I, I mean. Um, you know, I, I, I found UCF somewhere. I don't know where the hell I found UCF in, in high school or something. And for some reason, I just I liked the school. And then when it finally came time to to go to, you know, from my community college to, a you know, to a, I wanted to go to film school. Mm-hmm. Uh, UCF was offering this program and, you know, and, and I just I love the amount of equipment they had. And I like yes. their, their, you know, the way they had, you know, they had, uh, you know, figured out how they were going to do the the classes and I just liked, you know, all about it. And I got, I got into the film school and yeah. And part of it was like, Oh man, Orlando's going to be the next, you know, Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood East. Yes. Oh God. Hollywood uh, East. Oh Jesus. Yeah, man. So, you know, and so, so, you know, in my, you know, in my brain, I thought I was going to be like, you know, interning on, on movie sets and shit. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, lo and behold, we're like, Oh, where the hell are the movies and where are the sets and this and that, you know, and, uh, yeah. That, it never it never happened, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I I was I was there when I was there. I was I was interning on some TV shows at Universal. I did get that much, yeah, uh, which is great, which was amazing. But like yeah. everybody was like, "Oh, it's the next 
the next big thing. And I worked at Nickelodeon too for a little while. Yeah, Nickelodeon. And then, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and uh, um, the only, we, you know, and then Disney, like we had a directing oh. class, I think, at, at, at Disney. At MGM, yeah, at the MGM. Yeah, it was yeah. MGM and back was, then, yeah. Yeah, Disney, yeah, exactly. Disney, MGM. And, uh, you know, but that's about as close as we got. And, you know, and they did let us, like, both, um, I guess, Universal and I think Disney too, they let us shoot. Yeah, in the back lots. You know, yeah, on the back lots and stuff. So, you know, it was cool having that, you know, there. But, you know, the the thing is that, you know, those parks are, you know, they're amusement parks. The and they parks. were never, yeah, and they were studios, you know, very much down on the list. So They make more um, money. They make more money selling popcorn and T-shirts than they will making a movie. Absolutely, absolutely. There's so, no question. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a cool time, man. You're right. It was a really exciting time because there was this, supposedly we were going to be like on the, you know, on the cutting the, edge, the cutting edge of this <laughs> new wave. Oh God. It just, it gives me, just gives me chills in the back of my head. Just even thinking about all of that. I, 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 I fell for that trap for about a year and a half after yeah. that. I was like, I'm out of here. I got to go back down to Miami and, and yeah. <laughs> get some work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I finished, yeah, I finished film school and then I headed back and, um, and that's, you know, that's around the time that we started thinking about doing Blair Witch and stuff, right. but yeah, man, it was, uh, so how did you come up with the idea for Blair Witch, man? Uh, it was, it was, it was, it came from like, you know, Dan Myrick and me, you know, we, we came up with the idea together and we went to films, we went to UCF together and, uh, we had just, I don't know, a couple of weeks before we had just seen like the, and I, I, I I don't remember. I never remember the damn name of the movie, but it was like the Freddy. It was the Nightmare on Elm Street movie with uh, Roseanne uh, Barr and Tom Arnold in it. Oh God, what the yeah, hell so was, was that movie? Oh Jesus! I, yeah, 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 I forgot it, that. It, one. It, she it, is it we, she, she Devil? No, 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 no. It was a it was a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It was like Freddy's Dead or Freddy oh, Returns. Okay. Or, I'm serious, dude. So. And, you know, and I love the original Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, uh, and I was like, wow, man, you know, what, what the, you know, what's the hell, ha- what's happened to like, sc- you know, legitimately scary horror movies. And, and right. Dan and I started talking about, you know, what scared us as kids. And we rented a bunch of, you know, VHS, you know, movies of, you know, and programs that really, that kind of scared us as kids. And we were just kind of going back and seeing did any, does any of this stuff still scare us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we kind of zoned, you know, honed in on a, on a particular genre, you know, the, the, the kind of pseudo documentary genre where, um, you know, like, like the show in search of that TV show in search mm-hmm. of, which like, was that, that was, that was their sweet spot, you know? Um, and a lot of movies like, um, you know, legend of Boggy Creek, which was kind mm-hmm. of pseudo documentary reenactments. Like it was, and those movies and that TV program, you know, just cr- really scared the crap out of us out of us when we were kids. And we watched them again, and they still kind of scared the crap out of us. Man. Just, you know, <laughs> right. there's something about the, the you know the idea of it the being real, real. right? Uh, so we, so you know, Dan and I was started talking about, you know, could you do something? Yeah, and this was the early '90s. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in, at UCF, and could you do something that you know? could you update that? You know, could you do a fake, you know, a documentary and, you know, and we were thinking like, could, could you release it as being real or could you at least fool people or at least people would go into the movie theater thinking that it's, you know, or at least pretending that it's real, you know, like right. just that, you know, it, it wasn't about like scamming people or anything, but no, it's just, no. the idea. so, uh, so that was the idea. And the initial idea was just like, you know, these filmmakers go out, 
um, you know, into some wooded area because that, you know, that's the cheapest place to shoot horror movies. Of course. And, uh, and no, there's per- a, no permits, no permits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a that these filmmakers are, um, you know, are following up on and then they disappear and then the, their footage is found, you know, years later. It's a, I mean, so it's a, was, the concept is brilliant. That was, man. That was just, that was just, um, you know, kind of the initial thing. And, um, and we walked away from it for a few years. We had other things to, you know, we, Dan and I were finishing up school and, mm-hmm. uh, we had our you know own films that we were doing and all this stuff. And then, you know, we circled back on it a few years after film school and decided to, you know, to, to do it again. How did you get them? How did you get the money for Blair Witch? Um, you know, it's, it, it was a lot of like kind of credit card stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it was uh, like what? 27 grand. If I remember correctly. It, yeah. It was like, Off. it was like, yeah, it was like, you know, uh, I don't know for sure, but somewhere around the yeah, 20,000, 25,000 for the initial, but was the initial budget. And did you shoot it and, and you shot it all video? We shot it high eight and we shot it 16 millimeter, mostly right. high eight. Right, um, and did you cut it nonlinear, or did you do flatbed? Cut it, yeah, we cut it on, uh, yeah, on Media One Hundred. Oh God, uh, Media One Hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we we cut it. We started cutting it on Avid. It's too expensive. And then, <laughs> and then we, yeah, it was too expensive. So we switched over to Media One Hundred. Yeah. And then uh, you know, and you know, I mean, it did its job. It it, it did its job. Man. Right. Absolutely. And Um, and so you so you just kind of grab a bunch of money together, and then once you got the credit cards and all that, because I'm assuming you pitched this to some people, and and they said they were to give you money, but of course it never showed up. Yeah, yeah, we we did this this investment, you know, real like this little video that was like ten minutes and kind of explained, and it was really well done, really you know creepy and. Mm -hmm. Um, set up the story and we were like, oh my God, people are going to start giving us money and, uh, and no, you know how it is. Nobody. I mean, it's just, it's just really weird, man. And, and, and I offered it to people that I know had money, you know, like I knew some, I'm like, dude, you got, you know, just, and, um, uh, unfortunately nobody really bid. Um, or fortunately and, and, for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, and then, and, and then we just kind of, um, we lucked out and got, uh, the attention of John Pearson Yeah, and John's amazing. he helped us. Yeah. Yeah. And he helped us with his show, uh, split screen. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped us, uh, get the rest of the money for the, but for the, the budget. Um, and then we shot it, uh, you know, we just, you know, we, we shot it in, you know, 10 days, 10 or 12 days and, uh, <laughs> and then edited it for about a year. That's, um, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So now you've got a final product. You've got this little movie that you have no, in your wildest dreams, thinks anything major is going to happen with, if, if I'm correct, right? You just kind of made a movie. I you're mean, like, what were you expecting? Yeah, what man, were you expecting? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, look, it was one of the, it, we did, we expected as much from this movie as we expected from any other, the other movies we had made and failed, you know? Sure. I mean, you know, when you make, you know, that's the whole thing with people are like, oh, you know, these movies, this movie sucks, whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you know that movie that sucks? The Most of the people involved in that movie probably thought that they were making a really great film. Like, there's very few people out there that I know that are, like, making movies for money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're, you know, so w- w- for us, it was just like every other independent film. Like, oh, this is going to be the one and, you know, whatever. And um, Anyway, we, we knew we had a good idea. We knew that, like, people were definitely you know, very interested in it mm-hmm. when we told them, when we pitched them and kind of, you know, you could tell they were, you know, so there was enthusiasm there, but we had, you know, we had no idea what <laughs> we, we had no idea. Even, 
even when we shot the, even when we finished the movie and brought it, you know, back to Orlando and started watching the footage, we were like, "Really? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the hell we have here." I mean, I remember, I remember uh, talking to Dan or somebody like, you know, walking back from from one of the because we you know we we shot like for t- ten days continuously. Like the actors mm-hmm. were out there the whole time. They mm-hmm. slept out there. We, we we brought them food. We brought them fresh batteries. We brought them tapes. You know, whatever mm-hmm. the hell they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, to really like keep them lost in those woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one time coming back like at three in the morning after doing something with the actors, you know, mm-hmm. dropping something off or scaring them or whatever, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, we are either like creating like a really like scary and cool film or it's going to be like the stupidest comedy of, on, <laughs> you know, like it was just going to be like a joke. Like these people thought that, giving cameras to the actors was a good, was a good idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just had disaster written all it over just, it. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't read well on a pitch. <laughs> no, it does, it does not. It does not, you know? And, uh, so, um, so, but that, that's, the, that, that's the funny thing, man. Like when, when we finally got our agents, you know, <laughs> after the movie came out, our agents were like, or, you know, right before Sundance, we got our agents and yeah. our agents, I was like, you know, we were talking about how the movie was really hard to, you know, get off the ground and this and that. And, and, I, and I, and, you know, one of them was like, Oh, I would have, I would have looked at it. I'm like, dude, seriously, you would have taken a pitch <laughs> from a complete unknown about a movie where the actors go out into the woods and shoot their movie on high eight. You would have, you would have forwarded that to, uh, to all the studios. Right. You, were, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. it was a totally, you know, it was a totally like, Oh, it's a, it was kind of the reaction like, oh, it's a cool idea. I'm not sure how the hell you're going to pull it off, but it's a cool idea. So, and, you know, and luckily we, uh, you know, all the pieces fell into place and we, you know, we came out with something good. Now, can you talk a little bit about the process of actually making it? Because I I know a lot of people talk about, you know, the success and all this kind of stuff, but what was the actual directorial process in your heads? Like, did you give the cameras to the actors? You put them Mm -hmm. out there in the forest. Did you guys pretend to be like the witch or leave things for them like did they not it was it like completely like they had no idea what was happening yeah i mean we we tried to keep them you know as out of the loop as possible like we tried to keep like any kind of contact with them um at a at a very very minimal level Mm -hmm. um we would uh like if there was a problem um you know, we could, they could address it, but it wasn't something where we had, you know, we brought them out of the woods unless they got hurt. You know, there was always a plan for if anybody mm-hmm. got hurt, how we would address that. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly just keeping them isolated. So anybody, like whenever anybody had any kind of duty that, that, you know, brought them close to the actors, the mo- number one rule was don't talk to the actors unless you absolutely have to. Like if they try to talk to you, just say, I can't talk to you, man, you know? <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, so our thing was just basically, uh, you know, set up the whole, you know, cause it was like a 24 hour play, you know, like a 24 hour play. So our whole thing as the filmmakers and as the directors, um, was basically just build this world around the three actors, you know, and, and try to make it as convincing as possible and try to make it as isolating as possible. Um, so we would give them, uh, you know, we knew the story and we knew where it was going to end, but they didn't know, you know, besides what they kind of learned or kind of, you know, uh, took out of like the auditions. Cause we auditioned, you know, with a couple of scenes that, you know, were similar from the movie. So they kind of had some clues as far as what was going to happen. Um, 
And uh, but they didn't know, you know, who was going to die. And, you know, was, you know, they just didn't know. It was just basically, you know, minute by minute kind of, you know, information only given on a need to know basis, you know. Right. And the energy you could see the energy in the the actors like it's it's something you can't recreate. You can't act that. No, you and you and that's the whole thing is like our whole thing was like if we cast the right people, which, you know, we spent a lot of time casting the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we give, you know, and we do our job enough of like actually building this world around them and kind of, you know, and keeping them off balance, you know, mm-hmm. um, we, we, we realize, okay, they're going to be able to do, they're going to go to places where most actors can't go. You know, you just can't, you know, do be where you're, you know, in, in that mentality of like, like, like Mike Williams said, you know, like he goes, you can't like recreate the idea of, of like, you know, of you as an actor waking up to little kids playing outside your tent in the middle of the night in the middle of the woods when you're lost you know what i mean like you right. can't you know what i'm saying like you yeah, can't yeah. direct that you can't prepare for that that's not something they um, teach you in acting class no no so so you know and and you know and the actors were really i mean you know everybody they knew what they had gotten themselves into and and that's what i think you know why i think the actors even though you know every you know they got you know, uh, I never thought I never, I, you know, they didn't really get enough credit, man. I mean, definitely, um, it, it was the Blair Blair, which was definitely like a team effort. Um, but the actors I think took the, uh, took the idea of like, you know, which was a risk, kind of a risky thing, like an improv movie where you don't know, you know, you're not, you're making up the lines as you go and you don't mm-hmm. even know where the hell the story is. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know where it's going. You know, you're getting these little directing notes, you know, two or three, you know, five or four or five times a day. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, you there's you can't ask the director any any you can't you know you can't get any clarification. You just got to make up. You know, you got to read the notes and try to figure it out and try to you know make it happen for yourself. And I think that is what really kind of um, created this you know pretty incredible opportunity. And they knew they were you know they they were really like courageous and they knew that they were doing something special. And I think that's what kind of you know, got them through the, you know, all the hardships of just having to, you know, sleep in the woods for so long. And Jeez, 10 days and in the not, woods. <laughs> yeah. And not, and not bathe and, you know, not, you know what I'm saying? Like all this, you know, all the stuff that happens when you're, you know, out in the woods. So, you know, for, yeah, but after a while, man, you could definitely tell that, the, you know, they had, they definitely, it was a lot easier for them to go into different places, into these far kind of, you know, reaching places that, that other actors would have to really kind of, would, would it would be tough for them to get to? You know? So it's almost like a Daniel Day Lewis style acting role because they completely engulfed themselves into it, and then you as a director were almost like Kubrick, where you wore down the actor to the point where they stopped acting because they were there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of, I mean, kind we, of, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, Dan and I were never, you know, abusive, of course. Yeah. No, we were never abusive, and also we, you know, we didn't. I mean, it, I mean, Kubrick you know, worked on a different level, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, of course, of course. For us, it was just, but yeah, we, we never, we never really tied it to that kind of thing. But for us, it was just like, how do you get, how do you make this look like it's completely real? Because that was our big thing. Like we want this footage to look like they, like it's a hundred percent authentic. And, um, so for us, it was just, you know, keeping it safe for the actors, but also, you know, pushing them to, to, you know, to the very limits of what, you know, would be considered safe. Right. Um, you know, to, reasonably. To kind of, to, yeah, reasonably <laughs> to take them to a place. You know, I mean, they were never in danger. I mean, there was sure. you know, there was always you know somebody you know within you know a, a hike away from, or you know there was always you know we were always in contact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Were you watching but, them or were you just? Well, we, we, we tried watching them, um, but it kind of, it, you know, it was, it, you couldn't hear them anyway, you know, like mm-hmm. the sound doesn't really travel mm-hmm. too far in the woods. So you, we were, you know, you, we, 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 like Dan tagged them for like the, I think the first couple of days and then we kind of, you know, there were so many other things that you had to get ready and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't, we couldn't have a director out there, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, following them the whole time. And, and our whole thing was like, even if you're looking at, even if they do something wrong, what are you going to do? Like go and correct it. Like you, you know, you can't, this is, this is not that kind of movie. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, you got to hope that they're going to bring you stuff. That's, you know, that's a lot that encompasses a lot more than the notes you're giving them. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're, you know, so, so for us, it was more like, um, yeah, the, uh, the observing kind of, you know, fell, uh, you know, very quickly out of favor. It it was a very ballsy, you know, it's a very ballsy move as a creative, as a director to, to do this, like, you know, regardless of the success and all this stuff, but just as a filmmaker, like you, you, you've let go of a lot of things that directors generally hold on to, you know, like complete control of the image, complete control of the actors. You guys kind of did this experiment. This, I mean, Blair Witch was almost an experimental film very much so because there was nothing at all like it out there. Yeah, yeah. It was well, yeah, and we and yeah, and we definitely, you know, knew that it was an experimental film, you know, and and uh, you know, and and that's kind of why you know, we um you, you know, we 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 just had this this kind of uh obsession with you know, nothing in the movie being able to uh give you a clue that it wasn't real, you know what I mean? Like right. our whole thing you succeeded. was succeeded. Like, yeah. So, so anything, anything that kind of, you know, lighting nighttime, you know, with, with a, you know, with a 12 K up on a hill mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, soundtrack music, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, name actors, you know, any of that, everything was basically ba- you know, just making the most authentic thing possible. And, but yeah, it was very much an experiment. We had no idea, you know, what, we were going to come out with. I mean, I th- we thought we were going to have some interesting, you know, footage, <laughs> right. but we had no idea we were going to be able to, you know, we were going to have this, you know, feature film that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, blew everybody, you know, that did, did what it did, you know? Now what, now I want to go into the marketing of this film because <clears throat> it was, I, I, anytime I ever did any lectures or any, I spoke of anything or I did any posts about marketing, I always use Blair Witch as an example because it's honestly, and I've said this many times, it's honestly probably one of the best marketed independent films of all time uh, because of this insanely uh, genius guerrilla marketing campaign that you guys did. Can you talk about how that came about? Because that you were thinking about the marketing of this film while making it, and filmmakers generally don't do that. So wh- how did that come about? Who came up with it? Who fed the beast? How did that work? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was... You know, I'm I'm not sure how. I mean, we you know, I, I, look as an indie filmmaker, you're always thinking, um, you know, at least if you're smart, you're always thinking about you know how the hell am I going to sell this film? You know, what I'm saying so. There's always a little bit of kind of, you know, even just choosing the material. You know, sometimes you 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 immediately start th- looking for things that'll set you apart from you know the rest of the of the herd. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Blair Witch, it was, it came about as a, you know, very much a, uh, you know, uh, just, just very much pr- a pragmatic approach to the marketing. Like we had, um, you know, we were editing the film. Um, we were, um, you know, we were shooting some other stuff cause we, we were shooting some stuff that we were going to add later on to the film. 
that ended up on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, you know, we were busy. We were doing stuff, and we showed uh, the our our. Um, we had a segment on a show called Split Screen, which I mentioned earlier, the mm-hmm. John Pearson show that played on Bravo. And uh, his discussion board on his site, uh, and this is, you know, obviously before YouTube, before, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook, his discussion board kind of blew up. Like there was a lot of attention about Blair Witch, about this segment. Like, is it real and this or, you know, I, you know, whatever. And people were like, um, already throwing theories around and you know for us as, <laughs> as like filmmakers who had never experienced anything like that it was just really exciting we were like holy shit there's people talking about our movie <laughs> yeah, you know, that, yes, other, yeah. other than our friends and our you know parents <laughs> right um so we um you know we were like you know we had no money so we were like, do a website and luckily i had you know some some web building experience from a previous job and uh, so i just uh took it upon myself to, to build this website and, you know, and everybody, everybody helped, but I, I, I was the only one of the, of the main guys that didn't have a girlfriend at the time. <laughs> so I like sank all, I, all, I had a lot more time yep. than they did. So I would edit, I would edit, uh, late night, you know, into the early, early morning. And then I would go home and I would come home and while Dan edited, um, I would just work on the website and, uh, uh, and it was very much like um, we immediately, you know, it, it was it was great because uh, we immediately had fans because you know we immediately linked to the to the split screen discussion boards mm-hmm. and all those a lot of those people came over to the site and it really became this like um, you know you know very uh, for me especially because I was like the one that was interacting mostly with you know, with, on the day to day basis with, with everybody that came to the site, it was very much like, you know, it, it gave me a lot of energy, you know, it gave me a lot of enthusiasm for what I, for what we were doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause back in that, at that time, you know, we were completely broke. We had absolutely no money. We were like, you know, l- literally like having our, you know, water cut out and then, you know, our electricity cut out the next month. I mean, just, just really like just living on, on pennies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there wasn't much, you know, and there wasn't much, you know, reason to celebrate, you know, there wasn't like, but these people loving what I was putting up there and I, you know, and I didn't, you know, you didn't want to put, you want to give anything away. Right. Um, but I just put enough stuff up there. Um, and you know, and also it was just in the subject matter, you know, it was the idea that, that, that it's just a, the Blair Witch just has, just had a, a really interesting marketing hook. You know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a it's a fake documentary, you know, I mean, you know, so there's so much material and so many things that so many kind of fun things that we, that we did. Um, and so, and, you know, so by the time we went to Sundance, um, you know, we had, uh, we had a, a mailing list that I would like do this thing called hacks and news. And, uh, we, I would, you know, over like once a week, I would like kind of just send out a newsletter kind of updating people on what was going on with the movie. And, uh, and then, you know, and it was fun the Sundance and as we sold the movie and, you know, all this stuff was just a really exciting time. Um, but we had like 10,000 people on that list going into Sundance and this was like 90, you know, early 99. That's actually pretty fascinating because you were actually crowd sourcing, uh, you're, you were creating a following back yeah. in 99 with yeah. email lists. Like that's very yeah, yeah. advanced stuff back then. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, and it, it, it was just, 
it was just the only tool we had at our disposal, man. Right, right. You know what I mean? And uh, so we made the most of it. And then, and then what the marketing, what really pushed the marketing to the next level was that Artisan, um, they were just a, they were like the perfect movie company to to buy Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. Like they, there was a guy over there named John Hageman in the marketing department and uh, there was a woman named Amaret Jones and they really got the movie. They like, they really understood the movie. Uh, even before, I mean a lot, even better sometimes than we got our own movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they're, and they're the ones, uh, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're the ones that kind of pushed, uh, that kind of said, all right, we are the total artisan. Like we have to go, we have to buy this. We have to get this movie. We have to buy this movie. You know? Mm-hmm. So, but so once we got, you know, once they, we got the deal and we started working with them, they were just, you know, they loved the website. They were like, they pulled it down and they're like, we're going to re-release the website in, in chunks, you know, as we get closer to the release date. Mm-hmm. And they, they were like, do you have, you know, you, we want to do something on, you know, on sci-fi channel. We have a slot that we could do like an hour show. And we were like, well, let's do a, let's do a documentary about the, you know, about the legend of the Blair witch. And they were like, hell yeah, let's do that. So they gave us money to do that. And, you know, we did that as we delivered the movie, you know, um, that's crazy. And, you know, and then they, you know, and then they were like, well, we're going to do a book, you know, based on like a, a detective, you know, the journals of a detective that looked into the case. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we collaborated with, uh, this writer named DA Stern on that, which, and, uh, did this move, this book called the Blair witch dossier, which is, Still one of my favorite kind of Blair Witch related um, pieces of media. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and they got, they hooked us up with Oni Press and they did, you know, comic books. And, you know, and so they were very, very like into the idea of like, um, you know, putting, uh, you know, of, of, you know, marketing not in a direct way. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and then, you know, obviously and then and then the trailers like, you know, they we really realized we realized that they really knew the movie when they started sending us the trailers and we were like yeah that's exactly you got it way, that's exactly the way it needs to be done you know mm-hmm. um so you know it was just uh it, it was the perfect you know uh you know kind of combination of you know filmmakers that knew you know enough of what about what they had created to help you know mm-hmm. to be a part of it and and a studio that was willing to let you know, the filmmakers and the marketing department, you know, uh, you know, work, you know, hand in hand to release the movie. It know? never happens. It never happens. No, it never, you know, and, and, and it's always these, there's always these, you know, every time you sell a movie, you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to do this and that. And then you're like the, you know, they won't return your call after about a week. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, but, the, but, you know, it, it, so it was just, it was, you know, Blair Witch created an energy that, you know, it's hard to uh it's hard to come you know to, to come up with that energy in in you know especially in film you know what i mean because it's just something you know people that people had never seen anything like this you know what i mean and right. i think that they really like love the idea of like trying to put you know to, to push something new out there you know it's in, in the studios are generally not known for that <laughs> no i mean the, the studios you know they, they are the opposite of that you know i mean you know you want something that is you know, is safe and can reach a maximum audience mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. easy to understand, you know, it's, it, you know, so, so, so the movie, the movie now gets released. So can you take me through your journey? It's, it, you know, I know it's a long journey, but from the movie gets released, it blows up, uh, beyond anyone's 
imagination and continues to blow up. How, how did you like, how, what was it like for you as a filmmaker going through that process? Cause I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a dream of all filmmakers. We all want to make a movie that has the success of a Blair Witch Project. All yeah. of us. So what yeah, was it like? What was it like at the very beginning opening weekend? You're like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> I mean, it was a bunch of get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, I mean, and it continues to be a get the hell out of here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like there's like me talking to you is like you, you know, there's still people that want to talk about, you know, Blair Witch. Um, so, I mean, look, man, it's, it's been it was, and you know, and I, Blair Witch has been nothing but a blessing to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when we. You know, like every other filmmaker, you know, independent filmmaker, you know, you hope your movie, you know, and then, you know, and this is people, I think people that, you know, weren't around at the early days don't realize that Blair Witch was not only like the most, at the time, like the most, uh, you know, the biggest indie film ever, but at that, at that level of like somebody making a movie for like 50,000 bucks, mm-hmm. there had never been anything close to it, man. I mean, you know, right. like. I mean, I, you know, you have Clerks, El Mariachi, sure. yeah. Brothers McMullen, like these really micro budget movies. Maybe, you know, She's Got to Have It as sure. micro budget. Sure, sure. None of those movies had even, you know, broken. I mean, I think El Mariachi did three million or sure. four million. Right. I mean, you know, that was, for us, that was the dream. Holy shit, if we could have El Mariachi or a Clerks, if we could have our movie in the in the theaters, you know. Right. Um, you know, so so once, you know, we saw that, <laughs> You know, artisan. We, you know, once we realized, you know, we saw we got into Sundance. I mean, that was the first kind of like, okay, something, something cool is happening. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then once, you know, we all our shows were sold out immediately, and they, you know, we got into Sun. You know, we our first show, the movie sells out, and you know, or, or sells like that night. You know, like that morning, we made the deal with Artisan, and after just one showing, and then. You know, uh, the buzz around Sundance, you know, was just, you know, it seemed like it was everywhere. And mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, you, you we come home and we, you know, we're still broke, you know, because we don't, <laughs> right. you, know, people, you, know, you don't get the money until you deliver the movie, which is many months down the road. Sure. Um, so we're still broke and they're still, you know, cutting our electricity and, and stuff <laughs> off. But now we have, there's a, there's a goal. Oh, if we do these things, we get, you know, our advance. Right. Uh, and, you know, and then, like I said, they, their artisan starts talking about marketing and they offer us this thing of like, can you do a doc, you know, this mm-hmm. some money. for sci-fi, yeah. we'll give you this much money. We also want to, you know, redo the ending, you know, we want to think about maybe, you know, making a new ending. So we were like, yeah, as long as you pay us, we'll go down and reshoot some endings, whatever. Um, and then, you know, um, you know, you start, people started kind of, people started coming, you know, just people that we'd gone to film school with and you know, we're calling us and saying, man, your, your movie's like, you're going to understand your movie's tracking like up there with all the, all the Hollywood movies. Like that's, that's never happens to an indie movie. Like, you know, something weird is happening. And then, so you get, you know, we started getting all these kind of clues that, um, you know, that this thing was going to be, you know, a little bigger than, you know, that, that, than we thought, but at the same time, you're like, wow, this is great. You know? And then, but then once, you know, um, you know, after that first, when we, you know, we, that first weekend, uh, or the first week we opened in the Angelica and, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the movies like sold out for like a week in advance. Right. Um, and you see the lines around the block just, you know, going in to get the, you know, get some good seats and, um, and then it opens up and it has this, 
you know, crazy per screen average. And then it, you know, just all this stuff. And then, um, then, you know, and then we, the, our artisan told us that, um, somebody from, um, uh, Rennie Harlan's movie. Cause we remember Rennie yeah, Harlan's movie. Deep, 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 Blue, uh, Deep Blue Sea. That's shark. Yeah. yeah the shark movie. Yeah, with Samuel that was, L. That was, and L. Yeah, L. <laughs> Yeah, and that was like a you know that was the big kind of you know action horror shark thriller that was coming out that, and uh, one of the guys from Artisan told us that the studio I don't know what studio it was called Artisan and said hey you guys know that you're going to release your movie on the same day as our movie like you're you know you're going to get squashed like you know <laughs> do you understand what you're doing and Artisan's like we understand what we're doing yeah. so once the movie you know the movie comes out and you know makes like you know. 26 or something 27 that's 28 dollars that's insane and then the next weekend it makes you know almost the same and you know it just it, it's yeah it's insane man it's crazy and then the week you know like the week previous you know we or one of those weeks um i'm not sure exactly when it came out but you know we're you know dan and i are on the cover of time magazine like we go to the <laughs> You go, you go to the, you know, you go to your uh, your grocery store, and you're and you're, the, you're on the freaking, you're on all the damn, uh, you know, uh, registers, man. I mean, and it looks like one of those things that you do at, you know, and at the beach, you know, how you right. cross. <laughs> <laughs> you used to do fake, yeah, like fake, like uh, yeah. it still looks that way. Yeah, like, like, like it looks so fake. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks so fake, and then you know you you know, and then it's just. You know, Saturday Night Live parodies you, and then you know everybody you see, parodies you. Jesus, yeah, Chris Rock, you know, on the MTV Music Awards, he did like the whole Blair Witch thing, and, right, right. You know, it's just it, it's just surreal, dude. It's just surreal, and and like when Dan and I were doing the you know the tour, we were like all over the United States, and then up in Canada. Uh, you know, we were we real we were like, dude, this is this is never gonna happen. to this you know we we gotta enjoy this. And I remember even talking That's about great. it. That's like, great. You actually gotta, you, you had that sight that that, we, that, that oh that. absolutely man because it was just so <clears throat> out of control man. You know like we were like all of a sudden we were like hanging out with you know you know we were at the Ind- Independent Spirit Awards and we were seeing Quentin Tarantino and David Lynch and sure. you know what I'm saying the the Weinstein's are there and uh, you know you're at we we go to Cannes and you know we meet Ben Affleck and Dar- Darren Aronofsky and I sit down and chat and yeah, yeah you know yeah. you know what I'm saying like you're in this other world and you're the whole time you're like I don't you know and even now I still feel like there's you know, I, I really loved going through the whole Blair Witch thing, and it's like I said, it's nothing but a blessing. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I could, if I could, like I, I've often thought about, like, can I do the, you know, the A-list director thing where mm-hmm. you, you know, you sp- you know, the amount of work and the amount of press and all that stuff. Like to me, it's like I don't know, you know, I, I, I like it was pleasurable because it was something that I always thought that okay, this is not going to be the way it is. Right. This is a this is a special moment. It's a one-off. It's a one off and then I can go and do my, you know, whatever the hell I can find, you know, my little corner of the film world, hopefully after this. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all, it, you know, so it was just this huge, these crazy events that just kept happening, you know, ma- meeting Roger Ebert. Oh, he's such uh, a, he was so, uh, he, I met him, I, 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 he did review one of my films and he is, he was such an um, amazing soul. Yeah, man. So awesome. Like, 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 still, like, you know, even after all those years, like, he still, 
was like a super film. Yes, you know yes, I mean? yes. Super, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, and I, I, you know, and I, I grew up, you know, watching him oh. and uh, and Gene Sisko. Of you know? course, and, he's from our uh, generation, no question. Yeah, man. And so to meet him was crazy, and you know, so all these things that were just um, surreal. You know, it's just surreal is the best surreal. way to. And, and, it, and it was like a dream that I had never dared really dream about like i you know i definitely dreamed about being a filmmaker and having a little bit of a success and this and that but it was a dream that i didn't even know really existed you know what i mean and it was just one of these things that you know caught everybody by surprise and you know including us so there so you go through this insanely out-of-body experience uh and uh and it's insane it's insane uh the, the stories but one thing i wanted to talk to ask you about is you're talking about the press and the world coming at you guys left. And, you know, I mean, I can only imagine what kind of, you know, everybody wants to jump on your bandwagon. Everybody wants a piece of you. Uh, yeah. Everybody wants to dissect who did what on the movie, all this kind of crazy stuff. Can you talk a little bit about how Hollywood themselves treated you? Like what was the, because I want the, I want the listeners to kind of understand what happens when you get thrown into this kind of machine and yeah. what 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 the agents were saying, what the studio. I'm sure you did the water bottle tour 15 times yes. over. You yeah. met every studio exec. You met every big producer. You met every big actor. What was that that part, the behind the scenes part, by not the stuff in the front of the camera, but that, but like the back corners of Hollywood. How did that work? Um, you know, it was. I mean, it, it was. Um, it was fine. I mean, you know, there, there was definitely. Um, very much. I mean, I mean, for us, it was a, it was a special kind of. Um, my my uh, agents called it the uh, the the victory lap, right? Um, and you know, it was a very much a different kind of victory lap because people didn't know what we had done. They didn't understand <laughs> yeah. what we had done, and for good reason. And they also had no idea if we could write and direct a normal film like there was mm-hmm. very much like okay did you guys have a script you guys know what a script looks yeah, like and right, right so there was definitely some people that uh you know um i just there was a lot of bad attitudes people <laughs> like just kind of haters you know <laughs> yeah people yeah or people who just there's a lot of people who just kind of wanted to see that we that dan and i maybe didn't float on you know, like that we were just regular guys who happened to have made this crazy experimental movie that somehow made, you know, this much money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because there's 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 a level of like, who the what the what the hell is who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, anom- the anomaly factor. Yeah. The anomaly. And I think there's a little bit of like a freak show. Like, oh, I want to I want to meet. <laughs> I want to sit next to the, I want to stand next to the Blair Witch guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there still is that, you know, but now for me, it's like very much like, you know, I love it. I mean, I just love the idea that people are still kind of excited that I made, you know, about this movie that I made, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, so, and I understand that because, you know, you know, if, if uh, you know, especially on the filmmaking side, because I meet a lot of people who were like, were inspired by the movie, you know, mm-hmm. just the idea of like, shit, anybody can, can do this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, so, and I, you know, so when they meet me, they're like, oh man, you know, I love to hear those stories of like, oh my God, man, you know, the, the, everybody has a Blair Witch story and I love to hear them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Hollywood was, you know, it's a tough thing, man, because you, um, you know, for, for, for me and Dan, and I guess I can only talk, speak, you know, about me, but I think Dan and I were both going through the same thing. It was the idea of like, okay, we, you know, we made this movie, but you know, we don't, you know, we, we have ideas for other movies, but 
you know, th- this is not going to happen again. Like you, we can't do another Blair Witch. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like there's not, you know, this is not going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and also we, Dan and I were not, you know, we never considered ourselves horror filmmakers. Like we didn't have, I think a lot of, uh, filmmakers that go into the horror genre, um, have like, have been trying to make horror movies their whole lives and mm-hmm, have, mm-hmm. you know, have a whole backlog of horror ideas and, mm-hmm. and all. And Dan and I just didn't have that. I mean, Dan had a really good thriller kind of horror idea, but you know, and otherwise, you know, we didn't, we didn't have, we weren't horror filmmakers. Like we, we weren't like guys who had like 10 scripts ready to go. So the time after Blair Witch, we didn't have, uh, another horror script. And actually Dan and I wanted to make a comedy. So you could, you can imagine the talks that our agents had with mm-hmm. us about, you know, um, <laughs> Blair Witch guys making a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like that was, that was our state of mind. And, and the thing about it is that, and looking back on it, you know, I'm like, that was kind of a dumb thing to do, but you have <laughs> to understand is that we had, we, we were, you know, Blair Witch was bringing in a lot of money f- to us. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. And a lot of, you know, as most of the time, um, you know, when filmmakers, you know, get their film, their first film sold, I mean, even like, like I was talking to Darren Aronofsky after, uh, Pie, when, yeah. at Cannes, you know, he had just done pie with artisan mm-hmm. and the movie had, you know, had made some money, but he still owed them money. Like he was still broke. Mm-hmm. Like he you know, was just, so, you know, that's, and that was a very successful independent film, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were in a very special, uh, situation where we had made our first independent film our first you know theatrically released independent film and we had made a ton of money so we didn't have to make another movie and we didn't have to make and most importantly we didn't have to make the movie that we didn't want to make right and so hollywood you know our agents send us like you know pretty much every horror script that has been in development you know that had been in development in the previous three or four years they sent to us Mm -hmm. you know that so um, and we read films that were about to get, you know, they were about to go into production, but needed directors. Like we, we got offered, um, that exorcist prequel mm-hmm. with a movie that had to be made, remade, it had to be made twice mm-hmm. and still didn't fix all the problems it had. Right. Um, and we read the script and we were like, look, we are, you know, without extra, the exorcist, there wouldn't be a Blair witch. I mean, it's, our, you know, both Dan and my, our favorite horror movie of all time. Of course. And we would love nothing more than to jump into the exorcist world. But this script, we have to rewrite the script. And they were like, no, no, we, you know, we're going to, we're on, we're already on location. We start shooting in like a month and a half. (laughs) So we were like, you know, how in the world are we going to show up to a set and be able to do anything that we want to do? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, we would have gotten paid a ton of money. Yeah. Um, but you know, they were, it was obvious that they, all they wanted was like from the creators of the Blair Witch Project on top of the poster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, so that's kind of, you know, and, and also we, we stayed in Orlando for a while, you know, we, we didn't immediately move to LA and kind of start process of kind of becoming, um, you know, becoming a member of the club, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh but, it, was Holly- so, it was hollywood east i mean to your defense yeah oh but look man, i mean we were, wait- we were waiting for spielberg to come back and, uh, he made some promises to us man. No, so uh but you know the, the, so so that was the situation man and and it um you know it uh you know 
we we didn't we had like a lot of really great opportunities, but nothing. Um, I, I feel that like you know we we had like as far as I'm concerned, and I, and I and I and Dan is the same way. It's like we had always made films from our hearts, you know, like right. we had poured everything into it and getting getting accustomed to like not doing that on every job right. is, is something that we that I at least I it took me a while to learn. Right. Um that you know you can still do really good work and still do your best work, but you don't dedicate the the love that you dedicate to something, you know, to a film that you write and direct and, you know, mm-hmm. finance and all, you know, do all the work for, you know. Right. Um and you know, and also, man, you know, there was we were, you know, I was thirty years old, and God, uh, yeah, Dan man. was, I guess, you know, the mid thirties, and um, we were all, you know, it, it, there was a certain, you know, arrogance as far as like, you know, we're we're invincible and we're going to be able to make movies for the rest of our lives, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what was the effect on you as a person uh, with this kind of success and fame, because? It never ends well when this kind of when this kind of worldwide success, fame. You're the best. You're awesome. This never ends well, and I'm surprised that you're still alive. I'm still alive, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, how did it? Like, how did it hit you? Absolutely, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I often tell people like if you know because when we when um you know the the Blair Witch was made. Uh, by these, you know, five guys mostly. You know, these five. There's, you know, a really important guys on the, on the, on the edges of that that did a lot of important work. But Hacks and the company that made Blair Witch was five guys who kind of like lived, and you know, breathed and ate Blair Witch for a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. and um, we um, we just if it hadn't been all five of us, I think there was a chance. Like if it had been just one of us, you know, like this, oh my God, this writer director has come out of nowhere and made this Blair Witch and mm-hmm. the whatever. There was definitely, you know, uh, you, if things could have gone badly, really, like really badly, <laughs> really fast. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that, you know, even though we made a lot of mistakes and, you know, we took, we didn't take advantage of some opportunities that, you know, looking back on it, we're like, yeah, we should have maybe done that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, at the same time, we all kept each other down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we were all, our motto was like, if you see me getting high, knock me down, you know? That's great. Uh, um, so you had a support group. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and it's, it's a support, not really a support group. It was a group that was going to tell you to, to, you know, to not to, you know, he's going to slap you in the back of the head and tell you to, you know, bu- you know, fuck off if you started acting like an idiot. You know right. what I mean? Like what, what, what family does basically. Exactly. Like knock you down. A few, sure. You know, like, yeah, you, a brother, ain't no right? Blair, you ain't no Blair Witch director around here, dude. You know, <laughs> no, take uh, out the garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but that, yeah, so, so that really kept us grounded. And I think, you know, the idea that we tried, you know, as long as possible to make it work, you know, out of Orlando, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's, also, that's, yeah, yeah, also helped us out. And, but, you know, but cause man, the thing about it is that when you have, uh, you know, like L.A. was the only place that I was recognized, mm-hmm. like when I was when I when I went there, mm-hmm. and that's because the only people that knew who I looked w- were other filmmakers that were trying to you know <laughs> do exactly what I was doing. You know what I mean? So yes. you you know you just meet a lot of people who you know, and, and that's just and that's just the way L.A. is, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm not saying that you know everybody's like this, and I know that. You know, you do. Everybody does the scramble, no matter what. The hustle, it's, it's baby. Just, the hustle. You got to do the hustle, man. It's just yeah. at different levels, you know. Yeah. 
but I just got tired of being tried to be hustled to all the time. You know, oh, like God. like every time I went there, he went to a party and oh God, God I can was, only imagine. Oh my yeah, God, yeah, it's just it was it was just too much, man. And so my whole thing was like, you know, I don't mind. I mean, I hate driving around L.A., but I think L.A., you know, there's it's a great town. It has a lot of thing, great things to offer. But mm-hmm. as a human being, like to me, I was like, man, if I end up in L.A., there's going to be some there's going to be some trouble. Like either I'm going to end up like as, you know, like the biggest sleaze ball, freaking cocaine snorting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sleazy, you know, ex filmmaker or, you know, or, you know, things might go, but it, things might go right. But I just felt that there was so much danger of like, um, just going down the wrong path and like, and really for me, like taking myself too seriously, man. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's, that's the big you know, and I'm not saying that you can't take your work, you know, you have to take your work seriously. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of money on the line. It's a business. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people out there who like are just just take themselves and their films a little too seriously, man. And it's like mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, you know, the, the people working to try to cure AIDS or to try to find a <laughs> right. cure for cancer, are, <laughs> right. are, are, those are the, those are the dudes that should be, you know, you know, believing their own shit, you know what <laughs> I mean? Because they really are making a difference, you know what I mean? Right. And I, and I just, you know, and I, and I know that, you know, film is an art form and I, I really do, you know, um, you know, respect. There's so many filmmakers out there, you know, that, you know, you've got to respect their abilities. But I think that there's a certain point where you're like, dude, it's a movie. <laughs> this is a movie. <laughs> right. These are mo- you know, the same thing on the set. Like sometimes people get so, and I'm like, dude, we're just making an episode of some show, or we're just doing a movie. This just is relaxed. Not, not this is not going to cost anybody their lives or their freedom, or yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's one of the main reasons that I stayed out of LA, just to kind of, um, I don't know, just keep myself grounded and keep myself, you know. You know, keep myself the, the, the same person that I've tried. You know, try to be, always be my in my life. You know, and the funny thing is that you went, you were back in Orlando waiting for it to become Hollywood East, but little did you know, you were Hollywood East. I you, was. Yeah. You we, were the we, you were the big you were the it. we brought you, you we were the big fish in the te- in the small pond, and you're like yeah, we were we were the yeah we were like <laughs> pretty much the only fish. I mean, was a, you know, yeah. We I mean, we had a we had our offices. I don't know. We I guess you were gone by then, but. We had our offices in uh, at Disney MGM. Oh yeah! You know, after we did Blair Witch, sure. they gave us like offices, and they, we course. were on the tour. Yes, like, the yes, tour. yes. And, I worked. We, sometimes, sometimes we would come out of our thing because the <laughs> no. tour thing, the tram would go by. Sure, and sure. Would, like, lo- walk around, and sometimes we just like act like we're doing just stupid. Like, who, what are you? What are you doing out here? Like, just right. doing, we, was, we couldn't believe it. We just did, listen. And uh, to the left is the, the offices of the Hacks and Films, who just made a movie called The Blair Witch Project. And yeah. It was just so funny to be a part of that, man. And then, you know, mostly what we did at Disney was just sneak into the park and ride, you know, rock and dude, roller coaster. That's all I did, dude. That's all I did when I worked at Disney, man. I knew all the inside. Like, I would go right through where the commissary was, like from yeah. the park. So I'd, I'd come in through the back, go through the commissary, and I'd bring my family out. I'd just walk them right out this is way yeah, this man. is before 2000 this, this before 9 11 it was before 9 11 yeah yeah, yeah. you no, could just definitely yeah anything. i mean part of being on the back lot was the fact you know you could go and you know take 
going to this, going to the uh, into park. the park. Man. Oh it yeah, was really, it was really exciting. You know. So you've done a lot. Of, you've been doing a lot of television directing in recent years. What is the yeah. big difference between directing episodic television versus doing feature films for for the audience? Um, the, the episodic, te- first of all, it's shorter. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, like go, coming from an indie world where you like, you know, you're, 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 you're pregnant and then you give birth and you, you know, <laughs> make this, you know, you watch this, this mod, this kid of yours grow up literally years you're making, sure. you know, an independent film. Um, TV is, you know, you're basically work for three weeks and then you do edit notes and then you're done, you know, it's a quickie, um, it's, so a quickie. It's, it's a quickie, it's a quickie, it's a quickie, man. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, you, you, um, so you have to kind of go in with your, you know, you already, you know, running, you know, your feet already moving because, you know, you, then the whole thing is just to get on that train and like not slow it down. You know what I mean? The trains, the, the train of the season has already been moving, you know, mm-hmm. like I, like I did, um, the first supernatural episode I did, I think, was like number two hundred and thirty-eight. So I was like, "All right, so they've done pretty well without me." <laughs> so it's not like you know, and that's and that's a different thing. That's a different, you know, like as a feature director, the feature director is like, especially indie, like the director is like the chief, like the freaking sure. creative, like you know, because that's mm-hmm. the way it is. There has to be one or two people that are like, you know, because you know, uh, you just have to be that. We got to be quick, and you got to be, you know, got to move. And in television. Like I was saying, the train's already been moving. You just get on and you lead, you know, you drive the train for a little while and then you get off and let the other guy drive. And the whole main, the big thing is like to learn how the, how it runs, to mm-hmm. learn what, you know, what kind of show it is, you know, uh, you know, try to get as much information. I mean, watch as many of the episodes as you can. If you haven't watched the show, you know, for Supernatural, it was like, <laughs> I just watched, I just try to watch as many as like, I watched the whole first season and then I watched. Um, you know, like I just look, look for like the most important shows of, of all the seasons and I try to catch up as much as possible, but there's no way you're going to be able to see that many episodes, but, right. but, you know, you get in there and you just, you just try, you figure out where, you know, what Pete, what the crew needs, you know, sometimes the actors need more attention. Sometimes the DP is, you know, automatic, you know how it is. Sometimes mm-hmm, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they, they give you, you know, sometimes the DP, I mean, and that's the thing about episodic is that really if you really if you really if it really came to it you as a director could just sit there and let you know that the crew knows what they're doing that the actors know their characters the the dp knows how they're you know they've been shooting this this show for years now or whatever Mm -hmm. so you really can sit back and just watch them you know watch them work um and so you have to figure out like how much sitting back do i need to do because there's different shows some shows are you know are very much like we need, you know, we need shot sheets and they're very much director dependent and other shows are more just kind of, you know, definitely supervise and try to, you know, bring your vision and your, you know, your blocking and all that stuff. But the show already has a look and is already fully cast. So it's not like you're going to be able to come in there and do anything dramatic. Traffic cop. Um, you're a traffic cop. Yeah, yeah, basically. But I, I love it, man. I mean, I really do. Um, you know, like I, I didn't know how, you know, if I was going to like it, the idea of like not being in control and not, you know, not being, um, you know, the one that, that has to have all the answers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah. I really enjoy it. I, I really love, um, you know, meeting cr- the crew and then like, like for me, I don't know how you feel, but like crew, the crew is the crew. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I haven't, 
worked extensively in LA. Um, mm-hmm. but even, you know, from where I worked in LA, like the crews are just, you know, if you treat them with respect, Oh yeah. They're going to love you, man, because yeah. they are really doing the hard work. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Those crews work their asses off. So if you go in and you show that, that you're respectful to their time where you're not, you're not making them sit around or you're not making them have a late day for no freaking reason mm-hmm. or, you know, you're trying, you have a plan and you're trying to make everything, you know, you're trying to make decisions as quickly as possible. They appreciate that. And, uh, so I, you know, I get along really well with the crews and, uh, and so far, man, knock on wood, every show I've done, I've, I've been invited back to. So that's, that's a, um, that's a big, that's a big sign right there. That's, that's a, a big, yeah, it's a big, you know, so hopefully I'm, you know, it seems like I'm doing something right. But for <laughs> me, like right now for me and my partner, Greg, it's, mm-hmm. we're, we're, our big thing is to try to, is to get our, our, our own TV show going. Yeah, um, and now there's so many. So, there's 500 of them on on there's streaming. So many, and I mean, also and also, you know, in the horror genre is really hot right now on television. You know, so mm-hmm. we just we just pitched the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're getting another one ready. Uh, we're going to be getting another one ready like next month, and we're just going to keep doing it. We almost had a show in, at Stars mm-hmm. um, uh, last year mm-hmm. that un- unfortunately was supposed to uh, shoot in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, it would have been great. And then Castro died and then Trump was elected and, you know, things have changed. Gotten a little complicated <laughs> now as far as shooting in Cuba. Right. But um, we were working with uh, Alejandro Brujes, who's another Cuban. Sure. Another Cuban director. And uh, we were, I mean, we, you know, we were in love with the show. Stars was in love with the show. And, but, but so we're determined to kind of um, get our own show going and, uh, you know, and really dive into that, you know what I mean? Because the, you know, and, and still, you know, keep a, you know, a toe or whatever in the indie world. I have, you know, uh, three or four movies that are, uh, you know, that are in various places and development being written or about mm-hmm. to be pitched or, you know, um, so I'm always doing, you know, going to try to keep doing features, uh, because I really do love making films, but I do love television and it really does, make you a much better director, man. Just, you know, just, the it, speed. It, it def- just, yeah, it just, you get, you get, uh, it just exercises those muscles of like, you know, getting things, get in there, block it, rehearse, and then, you know, figure out where you're going to shoot it from and just start, you know what I mean? And go, and, um, and, yeah, you're not going to sit there for weeks and weeks and weeks. You're, you got no, it's quick. No, it's made me much faster. And, um, uh, and I, I, I look forward to it every time, man. So what makes a great scary movie, man? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. it's always about, um, uh, you know, character to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, you know, it always helps to have good characters, but for me, it's like, you know, show me, um, you, you gotta show me something new, you know what I mean? And that, and mm-hmm. that new can, cause, cause you know, it, it really is, you know, um, horror films, uh, you know, the, the really kind of, um, the ones that really have made a mark, um, really kind of do advanced things. Like they always bring in new techniques mm-hmm. and, they, and cause really a horror movie is just, and, and, and every movie is basically a trick. You know, you're tricking the audience into believing that this is real. Right. And horror movies are, you know, and comedies, you know, you have to, you know, make people laugh, which is also, which is a challenge. But in movies, it's the, I think it's the big, and horror movies is the biggest challenge because, you have to scare people. Mm-hmm. And once people are scared of, have seen, you know, have been scared in one way that wears out the more you use it, you know, like the, <laughs> right. 
I'm saying like the cat jumping out at the camera worked, yeah. you know, the first couple of times that it was used, but now you have to do, you have to, you know, even the way you formulate your jump scares, you have to come up with new stuff, you know? Right. So for me, it's about, you know, a, a good horror film takes me to a, into a, 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 makes me feel vulnerable in a new, in a new way or, or, or creeps me out in a new way or shows me something that, um, or makes let, lets me hear something or feel something right. scary that I haven't felt often, or, or you know, or the last film I, the last horror film I saw didn't make me feel, you know. So, and whether it's camera, you know, movement or just um, you know the way the tone, technique, um, you know, right. technique, lighting, you know, whether it's a really good monster, whether it's a really good jump scare, whether it's really good, you know, mythology, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's creepy imagery, you know, sound. There's so many ways to do it, you know, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's every time it's, you know, it's a difficult process because you do have to kind of, you know, especially now, like the horror audiences are so savvy that they know <sighs> every trick, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, so you have to kind of stay one step ahead of them and, and, you know, but for me, man, it's like, if it scares me, I feel that like there's a good chance that it'll scare, you know, at least some other people, you know? So that's right. kind of a, you know, I approach my films, but it's not hard to scare me, man. Like I really like that's, <laughs> there's a reason why I never considered myself a horror filmmaker right. uh, is because, you know, I don't, I don't really enjoy watching horror movies like effective ones, you know, like I don't like, um, you know, people, I, you know, I, I, I don't like, I don't particularly like, you know, seeing people in misery, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. um, so for, so for me, like, you know, learning to be a horror filmmaker, which is really what I've had to do after Blair Witch, um, has been really a, a very educational experience and also has made me really, uh, you know, look up to the people that, that do it repeatedly, you know, do it well. Um, and, uh, you know, and also, man, horror films, it, as a f- filmmaker, it's a little, it's a little dangerous, at least for me, because like you really get into these dark places in your mind that mm. are not really, you know, not really the normal thing that, that a human being should be, <laughs> should, you know, should right. be thinking about 24 hours a day is for months on end or how kids can be, you know, how ways to kill people or, you know, <laughs> It's yeah, not. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not a good place to be, and and even and that's why, you know, I, I know you, you know, the idea of making a, a a you know a comedy after Blair Witch is is actually very funny, right? But for me and Dan, like it was a, a form of therapy that we really needed after living in this really dark Blair Witch world for three years. You know, God, I can only imagine psychologically what that does to you. Yeah, man. So and you know, so we, you know, for us, it was just like you know, the attempt of, to make a comedy was just somewhere to just like release. go in a completely yeah. different direction, release all this, you know, negative energy and then come back and, you know, back fresh to the horror genre, you know? So I have a few more questions that I ask all my guests. If you have, if you still have some time. Sure. All right, cool. So, um, first of all, who are some of your favorite directors and why? Um, I mean, there's so many of them, but just you know, a couple. Yeah. Yeah, Spike Lee, we talked about, sure. you know, like really, you know, just made me angry and then made me love him more right. than anybody. And then, um, you know, Spielberg, mm-hmm. you know, because just certain magic in Spielberg that nobody else can really um, 
capture for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Stanley Kubrick, you know? Oh, uh, I'm a huge Kubrick fan. You know, everybody, everybody <laughs> loves Kubrick. I mean, you got to love Kubrick, man. I mean, The it's Shining, just, dude. That's Shining. The, the Shining, Shining just still freaks me out. It's like yeah. it gets in your bones, that movie. There, yeah, yeah. Like he had this um, – yeah, he had an ability to like uh, really – put something on on the celluloid that that a lot of most other filmmakers couldn't you know what i mean there was just something about his films that like and you know they are like the shining and um you know uh full metal you know, full, full yeah. metal jacket and 2001 and there's so many like just kind of and all over the place you know he made films about all kinds of different things uh, yeah he jumped genres that's for sure yeah yeah <laughs> and uh but um yeah and then you know scorsese like when i you know discovered taxi driver i was you know i don't know how many times i watched it but oh god um, it's such an amazing you know movie. it's just it's such a dark and creepy and just weird and like it's just so cool you know ride it's like a little ride of a movie you know just crazy man um and you know so you know but you know there's so many there's uh, there's hundreds of them there's hundreds of there's them, so yeah. many <laughs> filmmakers, man. you know i mean hitchcock of course, of course. and uh um, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and for me, like, um, you know, composers, I think are like, for me, like film music, I, I was a mm-hmm. big fan of, of film music also around mm-hmm. star Wars. And I think the power of, of like, comp- like the great composers are, I think part of the magic of Spielberg is, is John Williams for, for sure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, man, that, that, those are, you know, those are the three or four top, like my guys that I always go back to. Now, what advice would you give a filmmaker wanting to start out in the business today? Um, it depends on what you want to do. Like, if you want to, you know, direct. Uh, he wants to be a filmmaker. If you he want to direct, director. you got you got to make your a movie, man. You got to make a movie. You know, you. Um, I mean, there. You know, you can. There's there's so many ways, different ways to do it, but you. Um, I mean, first of all, the my, the big thing is to prove to to show not only other people, but yourself that you can make a movie because, you know, there's very few people that are going to let you, that are going to give you millions of dollars to, without you, you know, without ever seeing any of your, of your material, any of your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just, uh, do, do, um, you know, make films as much as possible. Just get whatever, you know, even if you're shooting it with your iPhone, I mean, you know, I, I shot a movie on, on uh, VHS and then I shot a movie on a high eight that ended up in the movie theater. So, <laughs> you know, uh, story, you know, story. Oddly, yeah, iPhone is like, a was, would have been a dream to have in those days, you know? So, um, yeah. And, and, and also for me, like, it's very important to like, if, if you want to make your mark as like a director is to like, you can be influenced by directors and you can be like, obviously inspired by certain movies, but you really got, especially if your early work, you've really got to try to find your own voice, you know, mm-hmm. like even if it's, you know, and, and, and write about and shoot films about things that you know, you know, that you've experienced or that you can, you know, that you, that you are, uh, that, that make you, that are unique to you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I see, and even, you know, you know, even me early on, you know, like, you know, it's, it's just hard to not want to be, to do some Steven Spielberg stuff, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or, or people that you admire or like, you know, James Bond, like I love James Bond movies for the idea of like, oh man, I'd love to make it, you know, do like a little James Bond movie. But like, for me, it's like, you got to find something that is going to give you, it's going to set you apart from, you know, there, every, everybody else. And now like, you know, when, you know, when I was younger, you know, the, 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 the problem was just ma- just getting the equipment to make mm-hmm. the film 
was the the stumbling, you know, was the was the gatekeeper, as mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Now the gatekeeper is you can. It's easy to make a movie. I mean, relatively easy to make a movie. You know, the equipment is everywhere. You can edit on your computer. You know, things that you know we never had as, as when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is now you have to break through. You you have to. There's there's thousands of these low budget features being made every year. So you've got to like break through not only above them but you've got to make breakthrough into into the you know into the into the in your area where professional filmmakers are working so the more unique you are even if it's a really small story um it'll go a lot long a lot you know a lot longer a lot a lot more you know give you a lot more uh you know juice to do, do something you know unique even if it's small mm-hmm. and then if you if you have you know, like, you know, you, 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 you see these stories of these young, young guys that have made these like little special effects movies and then they get these huge country, you know, these huge mm-hmm. movies in mm-hmm. Hollywood. I mean, that's another way to do it. it. It, you know, it really, there's very, very few of those examples out there, but you know, there's, there's some people who have made these really incredible short films and, but they're rare. Um, they are rare. They're super rare. So, and, and, and even those films, like you have to, there's a certain level of competence that you have to show or else district you know, nine, like yeah, district nine. Is yeah. 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 That. Or even the guy who did, um, uh, Colin Trevorrow, right. He did like a yeah. short kind of, you know, yeah. so, so, so I think that, you know, the, 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 that there, like I said, there's many ways of doing it. You know, if you're a writer, you know, write a script, there's still, you know, even though specs, the spec market is, is very limited. There's still people, you know, at least people will, if it's a good script, people will read it, you know, and people mm-hmm. will, you know, know. So there's many ways to do it, but, you know, you just got to go out there and do it. I, I, I meet a lot of people, a lot of uh, filmmakers, you know, all my life who are always, um, you know, they're like, oh, I want to do this feature, but I'm trying to get, you know, a, an actor. I'm trying to get yeah. John Cusack. I'm trying to get, and I'm like, dude, you're not yeah. going to get John Cusack. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you might, yeah, you, you, I could tell you right now, yeah, you might, you might also win the lottery too, you know what I mean? You sure. never know, but, sure. you know, once you go down that road that everybody else is going down, including filmmakers that with a much better, better track record than you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've, your, 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 you know, your odds are, 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 are totally, you know, not in your favor. So the idea is like, just go out and do it yourself and just try to, you know, j- j- try to come up with something that you haven't seen before or do it in a way that you haven't seen before. You know, I mean, it's not about like an original story, you know, because, you know, yeah, as, you long, could... as, as, as long as it's well done and it's like coming at it from a different point of view, I think people, right. that's what people want to see, man. Now, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Jeez. And it's, um, it's deep. It's deep. That's a deep one. <laughs> um you know, I mean, I guess, I guess it's, you know, and really I learned it a lot. Um, I learned it, the big thing on, on Blair Witch, as far as like, um, you know, filmmaking was concerned is the idea that like, um, you know, th- there's, there's this very kind of, um, dark for most people, it's dark to other people, you know, they, they, they love it. But the idea that like, you know, like you were talking about, like the idea of like the superstar director, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. something that really, um, 
you know, that was something that like, I really loved the idea of that. I, and it still creeps in sometimes, you know, you just want to be this, you know, your ego kind of wants this, you know, mm-hmm. um, adulation, you know what I mean? Um, and that leads to as early, early in my career is the idea that you have to control everything that you have to, you know, write the movie and direct it and edit it and light it. And, you know, you know, better than everybody, but Blair Witch especially taught me that, that, you know, it is, it's the ultimate collaborative, um, art form, you know, mm-hmm. and you really have to, um, you know, you, you have to choose your, your people carefully and not, and not, not only your actors, but the people, you know, who are on your crew, um, mm-hmm. um you know, like, and, and the whole idea is that is releasing this, this need to control everything and letting and and letting the your crew and your actors make um make a better movie with you or make a better tv show along with you instead of for you you know what mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. and um and in life i think it's the same way like the idea that like you know you can't control the only person you can control is yourself you know what i mean right and uh, you know so i think as a filmmaker like the idea of like, you know, a, a lot of times like, you know, you have an idea and then somebody else comes and it could be, you know, your partner, your writing partner, your directing partner, or it come come from a PA, mm-hmm. but the, the ability to recognize a better idea and not have your ego, um, you know, you know, destroy it or like, you know, not give it any chance to like grow. That's to me was the, was, um, like the big, the biggest lesson that I've learned is the idea of like, uh, you know, in filmmaking is, you know, it, it, it is about your vision and it's about, you know, putting ideas, whatever, but it's also like, if you put the, the, your film and your project will be much better if you bring talented people around you and you treat them with respect and you treat them like true partners, right? whether it's an actor or anybody else, you know what I mean? And, you know, and obviously there's times for collaboration and there's times for not you know, for collaboration, on sure. this, especially on the set, you know, but the idea that like an, a good, a good idea can come from anybody and, and not to feel this like, Oh, it didn't come from me. So I'm not going to use it. You know what I mean? Like that's right. to me, like it's still something that I still, you know, fight with, you know, I still battle with that. You know what I mean? But so, so, you know, putting the work above, you know, the, the, the end product above any kind of, you know, demand, Ego, um, right. Yeah, be, any kind of demand your ego, you know, wants. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. for me, that's like a – that's a big thing for me. And when the last question, and it's arguably the hardest one, three of your favorite films of all time. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, Do the Right Thing. We already mm-hmm. discussed that. Blade Runner. Oh, such an amazing film. Can't wait uh, for that. I'm looking forward to the sequel. How about you? You know, man, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, 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 tra- the trailer honestly is not looking great to me. Okay. But I'm going to be there, you know, regardless. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 and I, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be better than the trailer. I hope it is. It, like it's hard. Um, it's hard to come back. It's hard, it's hard to make a sequel yeah. to a film well, like also, that. Yeah. You know, you can't, I mean, Blade Runner was just this, you know, and, and just like, you know, like, and again, like Ridley Scott, another Ridley Scott's another one of my favorite filmmakers, but it's like, just like the magic he caught and the idea that like, they let him do that, I guess, because, you know, Harrison Ford was like, I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know, it was right after Radar, Raiders, but I, I guess Raiders had, I don't know how successful Raiders was 
while they were shooting Blade Runner. It was Star Wars just, and Raiders, both. Yeah, but just yeah, just the idea that they let him do make that movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because you no, know, it, it's just such a unique. And the, I love the Vangelis score. And, oh, it's so amazing! Um, yeah. You know, the, just 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 so many cool things about it. Um, and then the third one, let's come up with you know um, something out of the order, like Notting Hill. <laughs> I do love Notting Hill. It's, I watched I, it the other day with my wife. It's my favorite, like, romantic comedy. Like, because it's like the ultimate, like, dream. Like, a normal guy hooking up with a beautiful movie star, you know? And, 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 and it's just the whole British thing. And it's just, it's a really <laughs> fun movie, man. Yeah, that and Love Actually are two of my favorites. Same yeah, character. Love, yeah, Love Actually is like, um, you know, there's. It still has this. I think Notting Hill is like a little less, you know, on the cheese ball side. But yeah. Love Actually is like a definitely like a yearly thing for me and my wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. Christmas time, you got to watch of, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those films, man. Man, listen, uh, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to the tribe and 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 share your 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 journey, your experience, and your knowledge with us, man. I truly appreciate you taking up all this time, and I've taken up more than time than I I expected to. But thank you so much for being so generous. Uh, man, I appreciate being on and the, and the good discussion, man. Thank you. You know, for a generation of filmmakers, Eduardo and the Blair Witch Project is, is the pinnacle of, of independent horror movies. I know that so many filmmakers and horror filmmakers from that time were inspired by what, what he and his partner did with the Blair Witch Project and really launched so many careers. I mean, without a Blair Witch Project, there is no paranormal activity. There are no other movies like that. Every found footage movie you've ever seen owes everything to The Blair Witch Project. So it is really an honor to have Eduardo on the show. And uh, Eduardo, thank you again so much for your time, uh, energy, and candor uh, throughout this interview. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys, the tribe listening, get a little bit of inspiration about what two young filmmakers in Central Florida with no Hollywood connections got together and threw together this amazing little film that took the world by storm. Thinking outside of the box really helped these guys out because they weren't, if they were gonna try to shoot this like a traditional film, it would have never been made. It couldn't have been finished and it wouldn't have had the impact that it did. This is the way they combined everything the marketing, the found footage the actors, the writing, uh, the location, the story, everything, all was a perfect storm for this movie. So I'll put a link on the show notes for everything dealing with Eduardo, with show, with, uh, with Blair Witch, so you can take a look at it. And of course, the show notes are at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 191. And guys, this week is Stranger Things week because I am a huge fan of Stranger Things. So I got, I think, three or four articles, I think three articles Every every day or every other day coming out on Stranger Things, on how they tell stories, how they use the camera, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely keep an eye out for it at IndieFilmHustle.com. Or if you've signed up for our newsletter, you'll get a, a wrap-up of all the week's events in your newsletter. And if you guys have not gone over to the Indie Film Hustle YouTube page yet, please do so. We got a lot of great new content coming out on the YouTube channel we got a new episode of the director series with Christopher Nolan. We're going into his next movie, Insomnia. And at least three shows a week, 
This week's going to be four or five episodes of stuff coming out every day. So I'm really pumping a lot of content out through YouTube and it's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely check it out, IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash YouTube. And as always, keep that hustle going, keep that dream alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com.